everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Voices of Reality. Today we have um, a very special guest, another millennial like myself, someone that has very similar interests but lives on the other side of the world, which I find quite fascinating. Um, today I'm speaking with Grayson Campbell, a 20-year-old political science major, and he's also a host of his own podcast, which I find is pretty cool, um, the host of College Kid Discussions and also, you are a Prager Force ambassador like myself, which is absolutely amazing. And today we're going to talk about all things freedom and how to make freedom cool again. So thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. That's so good to hear. Well, um, let's just give a context to the listeners as to why, <laughs> how this happened and why we're doing a podcast. Um, we were meant to go live on Monday, um, your Sunday night. And let's just say Instagram was not a fan of our life it kept on disconnecting numerous times and there was no explanation behind this um i think it was censorship i'm going to lie but we can all just pretend it was our internet and blame our internet for this so i'm glad that now we're just jumping on a podcast and talking a little bit more and um this will also feature on your podcast correct yes it will it'll probably go up sometime tonight so if you're listening in the u.s probably tuesday night it's hopefully around eight o'clock but it's Fantastic. on Spotify, iTunes, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Yes, keep those plugs coming in. So um, first, let's start off speaking about your podcast. It's called Make. Um, it's called College Kid Discussions. And if someone you know checks out your Instagram, your bio says "Make Freedom Cool Again." So tell us a little bit about your mission and your vision, and why that sort of motto plays a major factor into shaping your podcast. Yeah, I mean, politics was always one of those things, politics, cultural issues, uh, the fight for values was always something that it, it was a part of my life. I just didn't know it. And it was really within the last like year, year and a half that I just kind of decided to make the switch, go all in and be like, all right, this is going to be my life one way or another. It was going to be one of those things that I was running into, whether it's just ranting to my friends or actually trying to make something out of it. And I would rather try to get it to more people. Um, and so that's why if you, if you scroll on my Instagram, there's a clear dividing line between where my content starts getting more political and cultural. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty funny every now and then it's, I'm like, man, what did I do with myself? <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I actually, you know, I always like to stalk my guests before I have them on. <laughs> so I'm like such a creep. I'm completely crazy. Yeah, no, not just that, but I like to just get a sense of what you're about, what your personality is. Um, I listened to at least five of your podcast episodes before recording this because number one, I found them so interesting. And number two, I just wanted to have an understanding of how you, um, you think um, and why you think a particular way. So, but I realized when I was on, your, on, your, on Instagram, there's like a whole load of fitness posts, absolute crazy, like fitness fanatic. And then all of a sudden I see a PragerU um, tweet and then I start seeing your political posts sort of line up. And I found that so cool that you, I think I could just tell you're a closeted politician, a closeted yeah. conservative. And then all of a sudden you had that switch moment and you started posting all about politics and free thinking and free speech. And I, I found that pretty cool. I'm sort of similar to you. I think that I had that political switch the beginning of this year. I've always felt like I was passionate about politics, being someone that um, grew up in a foreign country. Um, I, was, I lived in Egypt for about eight years. I witnessed extremism. I witnessed corruption. Those things naturally make my blood boil. And I've always wanted to find, to address them and find solutions. So naturally I had the passion for social justice issues, but I didn't want to be just the same old social justice warrior who thinks they're entitled to shut everybody down. 
Um, so it took me a while to have that moment. And I think my, I think I decided to really start a podcast when I was traveling around Europe earlier this year. I was, you know, I went with university at first and then I went traveling with my friends and it was such an amazing experience. We almost died a couple of times, but just seeing how beautiful the world is outside this country. Like, I feel like Australians forget that there's another whole world outside our borders and seeing how much history plays a factor into politics and society and how um, the political systems vary in different countries and how, you know, the European Union impacted the sovereignty of many countries and things like that and witnessing the things of it firsthand, I really realized that politics is quite fascinating. So then um, it took me about six months to have the urge to actually launch a podcast. And I decided, unlike you, I decided to have my own Instagram channel, disconnected from my personal one, because I'm still, I feel like I'm still a closeted conservative mm -hmm. on that one. And I have a feeling all my followers will eventually find out that I'm like a conservative and I'm, I'm an advocate for spe free speech and intellectual diversity, which I think everyone really should be. But I, I, I decided to just start a whole new different platform. So good on you for having that switch. Yeah, that was, it was more so just, that's my personality. Even when yeah. I was younger, there was, there's a moment in my seventh, in when I was in seventh grade, we were talking about stories and one of them was Robin Hood. And one of my kids brought up Robin Hood's a socialist. My teacher's like nodding along. And because I'm the big mouth kid that couldn't keep his mouth shut, I was like, no, he's not. I mean, he stole from the government who was taxing people and he just gave it back. His whole point was like, taxes are bad, not rich. Yeah, taxes, thefts. And yes. I, I, I went off and I mean, that's why I just decided to keep it on that same page. But that's always been kind of a, a thing within me is Alexis de Tocqueville talks about how the culture of America was separate from kind of what anywhere else in the world looked like is that the values of freedom, the values of free speech and liberty and the right of each person to decide what they do with their own life, the right to your own property, the, the fruits of your own labor, that was imbibed within the culture from the time you were born to the time you died. That was something innate within the American culture. And I think that's something we're losing now. You know, we're, we're no longer free to express ideas. We're no longer free to go out and have adventure where we're denouncing, you know, shame or denouncing, we're denouncing all these things that make us good, you know, hardships in life, work, um, being uncomfortable with ideas, being uncomfortable in your work, being uncomfortable and exploring your, your own intellectual like field, I think is important. And that's why, you know, my bio is make freedom cool again, because I want to take back the culture. Policy fights are, are interesting to me. They're, they're fun, but that's not something I'm interested in. Like, I don't think I would ever run for like polit for political office or anything like that, because I don't care about, you know, do we go 1% higher on this tax and the half a percent lower on this? I don't, I don't care because we can do all the stuff we want there, but if we don't take back the culture, if that culture of freedom and the values imbibed within that culture go away, like it's like we're seeing right now, we're gonna lose. And eventually that culture, like we're, we're gonna lose everything. Politics is downstream from culture, as Andrew Breitbart said. And that's very true that the politics just follow the culture. And we can only think that we can lock ourselves in these conservative, you know, think tanks in these bubbles. Um, not, not so much anymore because we're, we're trying to do that. But it used to just be like you would have like the Claremont Institute, which do great work, and you would have all these think tanks, and you would have all these lobbyists, but they wouldn't actually focus on the culture. Now every movie is a, is a leftist screed. Now every show is denouncing the right wing. Now every social media platform wants to censor right wing views. Every younger person doesn't view the right of a person to pursue their own religious values or to pursue their own work. They view that they 
are somehow entitled to the fruits of that person's labor. Those are cultural things and those are cultural aspects that we're losing out on. So that's my big thing is I just want to make freedom cool again and show people that the values of freedom, the values of liberty, the values that built America, they will lead to a more fulfilling life, a happier life for yourself, a better place to live for the whole country because leftism it's destructive it's not healthy like you see these leftists and they're just all angry they're they look like they're so beaten down and you go to conservatives and yeah like we we got our problems but you know i go to bed happy every night i sleep soundly you know people shout mean things at me i've gotten my share of you know not even close to what most prominent guys get but i've, I've gotten my share of you're a hater you're a bigot you're a racist you're a homophobe and i've gotten all of that none of it true but it doesn't affect me because that's not what defines me. But that's, that's my big thing is make freedom cool again. Let's bring back these values. Let's, let's get them back into the culture because conservative culture doesn't have to be this puritanical thing like everyone thinks it is. So that's what I'm trying to do. And that's why I didn't switch because this is, it, it was always part of who I was. It was always something I, I kept inside, but I thought I was going to go to med school. I thought I was going to be a doctor. I thought I was going to do fitness or something like that. And I, at a certain point I was like, yeah, that's cool. But I don't want to spend my life teaching people how to squat, which is necessary, but I'd rather affect someone's <laughs> heart, someone's mind, someone, the way they live the rest of their life. And I think mm. that's much more fulfilling. And I think that's more useful for the talents that I think I have, but that was always a part of me. And I think having that dichotomy was like these values that I'm now putting out there, I'm just putting them out there now. I've had them for years and years. And I think when people see that, they can see that, you know, I can be this this movie buff and this fitness junkie, but also this like conservative guy, but also kind of a nerd and also kind of a romantic. And, and all those things are part of me. I'm not just this, you know, tuxedo wearing cocktail party, you know, we're going to raise 5% on uh, the, you know, social, I don't know, whatever. We're going to lower taxes by 5%. I'm not that. I mean, it's interesting, but I'm this complete person. And I think doing that gets back into the culture. So that's the whole goal with what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to take back is just get those values back into the hearts and minds of young people, the people around me, the people on college campuses. Um, and like you mentioned with my podcast, that's why it's conversations. You know, let's, let's, have my, let's have those conversations. Let's have them out because the more uncomfortable you are in your ideas, the more you think through them, the better you're going to be as a person and the more well-read and well-thought-out your arguments are going to be. Yeah. I, I really like what you said there. And I, you did mention how we keep denouncing things. We keep denouncing dis um, our disagreements. I think, yeah, we keep denouncing dissenting opinions. And that's because we have been programmed to think that the truth is not objective. And it's this whole my truth, your truth jargon that is indoctrinating young people into believing that there's no such thing as right or wrong. And when you can't differentiate between right or wrong, you experience your own personal chaotic moment. You, it's sort of like personal anarchy. You have no moral compass. You have no, um, no institution or moral institution to help guide you during difficult times. If for, me, for me, that's my church. For other people, that could be other things. Um, you have no one to tell you what's right or wrong. And you're almost forcing yourself to experience extremely bizarre things and do bizarre things just to figure out for yourself what's right or wrong. And this is why I feel like we, um, and because of celebrities as well, they're fueling this, um, this whole leftist narrative that it's, uh, there's no such thing as truth. 
Um, I think this is why we need more discussions and more conversations because you'll only figure it out then. I do believe that um, there's a deficiency in intellectual diversity, especially on college campuses. And Jonathan Haidt is an amazing um, person that explains, articulates this absolutely perfectly. And he's a nonpartisan individual that I don't think actually sides with left or right. But he's done so much research to show that there is a serious decline of intellectual diversity um, in the tertiary education institutions. And I think he gave us statistics that for every one conservative professor in the arts field, um, the humanities field, there is about there are about 16 to 70 liberal to far left professors. Of course, we're going to be thinking that um, there's no such thing as truth and there's no need to have dialogue because we're programmed to just believe one side of the narrative and that same narrative rejects dialogues. We can't even yeah. have discussions to break down uncomfortable walls and understand the true complexities of certain political issues. Yeah, what well, you mentioned there, that, that objective truth, the difference is like when we try to have these arguments and we're trying to have these, these discussions, the problem comes in that you mentioned the left, they don't believe in that objective truth. And if when you're having a discussion and an argument or a debate, you're trying to get to some objective truth. You're both admitting, okay, there's an objective truth out there. I think it's this, you think it's something else. Now let's discuss, let's get our ideas, see where I'm wrong, see where you're wrong and vice versa. And let's try to get to that objective truth. But when there's no objective truth to argue, there's only the subjective, which is how someone feels, which obviously Ben Shapiro is now famous for his facts don't care about your feelings. But to the left, feelings are facts because they feel what they feel is all that's true because they've been taught this. They've honestly been taught this objectivism and subjectivism at the same time meaning that there is nothing of this world. They've been told this atheistic screed, which Marxism, um, I just finished this book, The Devil and Karl Marx, which is fantastic um, because it talks about- I think about how, I have that book. Um, I have the electronic version. I'm still yet yep. to read it. It's fantastic because it talks about how the religious, the spiritual of something otherworldly, something beyond yourself that you're striving for can't jive with Marxism, can't jive with leftism because- with leftism, everything is of this material world. That's why they're so bent on reparations and socialism, because all you are is your material wealth. All you are is your physical body. And when you do that, but then also say that everything that we're seeing right now was kind of an accident, there's no purpose to it, there's no objective truth to reach, there's no objective right or wrong, there's nothing to discover, there's no adventure to be had, you're just an accident, you're a ball of meat wandering through the universe with no purpose, no free will, and no reason for being here, it's just an accident. That decays upon the soul, that is destructive. But those values are not a bug of leftism, they're not an accident, they're purposeful. Leftism makes those values. And because of that, when you start to point out that there's that objective truth, people I think innately recognize that there is an objective truth. I think, especially like on abortion in that issue, um, I think there's clump a clump of cells. Yeah, that they, whole jog, yeah. Because I think innately they recognize that there is this, there's something wrong there. That's why they use the word fetus. It's a clump of cells. It's a medical procedure. It's surgery, safe, legal, rare, which on its face doesn't make sense. They use all those platitudes because it hides the fact that there is objectivism out there. And the problem is when you start to like poke holes in that argument and that subjective argument, what happens is it breaks you down. It's really, it's really hard to recognize like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. 
maybe there is something that I'm doing that's wrong. Like maybe my lifestyle that I'm living isn't the best. Maybe it's not the most moral thing. Maybe I need to fix myself. That's a tough thing for a lot of people to stomach. It's, it's something that you have to look inward and go, okay, what am I doing wrong? How am I a bad person? And then how do you fix it? But the left has also then told that, no, you don't need to change. You are enough. We hear that all the time. You are enough. And you're perfect. Is, you're perfect just the way you are, which pretty much every major religion says, you're sure as heck not perfect the way you are. You got a lot of problems, buddy, and you can't fix them either. You got to look somewhere else to something beyond yourself to fix them. You can strive and you can do better, but you sure as heck can't fix yourself and you got a lot of problems to fix. But leftism, it doesn't work with that. And that, that argument of these kids have been coddled from the time they were in kindergarten to middle school to high school to college, they have had, they've been put in these safe spaces and everything like that. And when you grow up thinking that an argument that you disagree with is morally wrong, is evil, is something worthy of being pushed out, you're not going to look inward because the person telling you to look inward, they're evil. They're trying to, they're trying to deny your truth. And I think we need to more so, that's why, again, we need to take back the culture because that's a cultural thing. That's something within each person that can only be changed. That's not going to be changed by passing a policy or anything like that. That's going to be changed by the interactions we have day to day and changing the culture, not only on college campuses, but in the entire society at large. Absolutely. I think from what you said, I can definitely point out two things where as human beings or as millennials, especially in the 21st century, we are lacking individual um, responsibility and accountability. And we're lacking the true understanding of the English language. Mm. So firstly, like you said, it's really hard for you to admit that you're wrong. So when I used to do debating in um, high school, mm-hmm. I, you know, I started off in grade eight and I remember those days where if I feel like I stuffed up, I would get like, my hands would numb. I would be so scared. My heart would be beating like, I don't know, a gazillion beats per minute. And that's because I realized what I said was wrong. And it was a really ugly feeling. Now, that was me debating. Of course, in debating, you have to adopt positions you don't even morally agree with, but you have to try your best to debate them. But that exact same feeling is what a lot of people and the young people on the left are feeling right now when they're avoiding discussion because they're avoiding that not in your stomach. And what's they, the, the, the thing to do there is normally when you, when you feel that, you go to someone and say, I'm, or I'm feeling this, or the people around you would say, okay, that's good. Let's work through it. Let's see why. What did you say that was wrong? Where are you messing up? But part of what's happening there is they're feeling that. They're recognizing something's wrong. They're being told that, no, nothing's wrong. Nothing's fine. And you can only live a lie for so long before reality reasserts itself. And there's a great poem called The Gods of the Copybook Headings. I recommend everybody go out and read it. It's super short, super easy to understand. And basically what it's saying is truth reasserts itself in the end. And you either bring it in and it comes peacefully or it comes violently and it comes with bloodshed. It was written right after World War I and leading up to World War II. So he saw these things coming um, yeah. at the time of writing the poem. It's by Rudyard Kipling, Gods of the Copybook Headings. Go check it out, y'all. Um, but, it's, but it's super interesting. And I think the problem is right now, they've been told that, no, it's just your subjective truth. And they're feeling that, no, there's, there's something beyond me. There's something, there's something I need to reach and grasp for that I haven't ever had in my life. And because the people around them aren't helping them through that, aren't saying that, yes, there is, let's find it. They're saying, no, there isn't. They're reacting violently. They're reacting with, with 
um, just pure raw emotion and anger. Like a little kid, like a little kid who doesn't have the grasp of that, like a four-year-old who gets his toy taken away and just starts hitting things. That's exactly what they're doing. And it's a childish mindset and they've been kept immature um, by their, by their ideology, by going to school. It's not actually exposed them to anything that matures them. It, it doesn't expose them to anything different. It keeps them as children. It keeps them as infants in both their thinking and the way they interact with the world. Absolutely. Um, and touching on that part again, and then I'll go to my second trend. I also feel um, like it's so funny when I see celebrities say, be true to who you are, body positivity. Um, we love everybody the way that they are. And all of those slogans that plastered over the social media accounts, but they don't apply to people with differing opinions. It's, it's the most hypocritical thing ever. It's so frustrating to see that they, there's this facade that they're tolerant individuals, that they're compassionate individuals, that they accept everybody for who they are. But, and then they accept all sort of, sorts of diversity, gender diversity, sexual diversity, um, racial diversity, but intellectual diversity is denounced, it's condemned, and it's shut down, and you're automatically labeled as every single terminology in the book that you could think of. You're labeled as the homophobe, transphobe, racist, misogynist, white supremacist. I don't know, the list can go on. And then that links to my second observation that there is a decline in um, the English literacy. So a lot of young people and I, I was reading a lot of research prior to this that we're reading less. We are absorbing all our social, um, information from social media. We don't even understand half the words that we use. How many times have you seen things like Trump is a fascist mm-hmm. on, on those Instagram um, posts? And what they do is they purposely make these very um, strong, bold claims um, by sens- sensationalizing it in this extremely colorful um, poster. Uh, in by using a bunch of big words that no one understands and then us millennials start reposting it number one because we feel a sense of self-accomplishment we feel like we're I don't know what the hormones are but we do feel like we're we're such amazing beings now with the next social justice warriors everyone's going to praise us for sharing this particular post and for being woke enough and um then you start reusing these words and then you start labeling people who disagree with you with the exact same terminology. But then if you go ask them what a fascist is, they're going to stutter. They're going to, they won't be able to answer your question. And if you ask them what a socialist is, socialist is, it's the exact same thing. The rule applies there as well. They don't know how to explain it because we don't even know half the words that we're using nowadays. We're not reading anymore. We're literally just being brainwashed of social media. The same platforms that, are censoring opposing views. So of course we're being indoctrinated to believe one side of the spectrum. And also it's the exact same tactics that I see we use in my country and other Middle Eastern countries. How do you think ISIS recruits people? They, um, they launch all these glamorized videos where you're promised all these amazing things if you come work for them. They have this, if you listen to their music, it sounds so peaceful and beautiful and you don't understand what the words are because you're not, you're most likely not Arab. You're a foreign individual. I know this is an extremely weird comparison, but I see so many similarities between far left um, extremists, leftists on, on, on the left side and Islamic extremists, but they, they indoctrinate people by, by evoking emotions and 
making them feel like they're worth something. They're, they're going to fight something. They have a sense of purpose. Why? Because we do lack a sense of purpose, like you said. That emotional aspect that you just mentioned, that's important. Because if you start to think things like very deeply, like even an inch deep, if you start to think beyond that, you realize it all falls apart. You realize it's a house of cards. You blow on it slightly, it all falls apart. But they keep people in this emotional state. That, like right now what we're seeing with COVID, it's fear, fear, fear. And Trump just got, he got diagnosed with COVID. He got put on these good new medications that we've got. And he's back at the White House and he's saying, don't be afraid. There's a 97% survival rate. Don't be How afraid. dare he say that? How exactly. dare he say, don't be afraid? I but, think you should all be afraid and locked up in your homes. But pushing that fear, pushing that emotional anger, that makes, it makes people stupid. It makes people um, irrational. And when you're angry and emotional and irrational, you're going to agree to stupid things and you're going to agree to things that otherwise in your right mind, you wouldn't have thought through. And that's how they get you. Every communist dictatorship, every socialist dictatorship had some sort of crisis. And for the Russians, it was World War I. For the, communi for the communists in China, I believe it was just after that. Um, or, yeah, just after that. And there was like a, a famine and everything going on. They always create this crisis. And when you mentioned the language, there's no better example of that than Black Lives Matter here in America. Oh, no. There, so um, the, the, the semantic overload, because Black Lives Matter on its face the, if someone was to come up and ask me right now, do you believe Black Lives Matter? I would be hesitant to answer that. Not because I don't support the fact that like, yes, everybody matters. Like everybody's All lives matter. life matters. Yeah. yeah. And I'm such a radical about that, that even in the womb, I think your life matters. And they don't believe that at all. But, of cells. but when they ask me that, they're doing capital B, capital L, capital M meaning the organization. And that organization is avowedly Marxist, avowedly wants to dismantle the nuclear family, wants to tear down America, wants to do all these things. And I cannot say yes to that, but they use that as their language because it's hard for me. It is hard for me because I do believe that black people's lives matter. I believe everyone's life matters. I, that's what I'm trying to fight for here. But their, and their arguments and their policies that they're putting forward actually harm the people they're trying to help. But further than that, the values, the overarching philosophy that they're trying to push, this Marxist philosophy, is evil, it's wrong, and it's immoral, and it should not be allowed. And so they use that as like a Trojan horse, as like a, here's a nice, pretty thing, and we're gonna give it to you, but inside there's all this evil Marxism that's coming, and as soon as you, as soon as you take your eyes off, it's gonna come and it's gonna eat you alive. And, and that's, that's exactly what they do, this co-optive language, because, you know, if I met a Nazi, like a real Nazi, like a legit Nazi from like World War II or like a legit skinhead right now, like Edward Norton from American History X, I'd, I would probably not do it just because probably has friends, but I would be very likely to be a little angry and probably punch the dude in the face. So you get to punching a Nazi is okay. Everyone I disagree with is a Nazi. Therefore, it's okay to like shove them out of social media. Therefore, it's okay to be violent against them. It's that semantic overload that's a, it's a, it's a function of what the left does. And again, that's, that's a cultural thing, is we need, to, we need to start using words as they're meant to be used. But Absolutely. you can't do this with, it's very hard for, you know, I love Ted Cruz, I love politicians, a, a lot of politicians in, in, in Washington that are fighting the good fight. But there's a, there's a difference between them speaking these very cogent, lawyerly arguments with a lot of Latin versus 
someone like me or someone like Will Witt at PragerU or, or somebody else who's younger that kind yeah. of under, is in the culture, someone like you that's within the, that was within the culture, this is what we've grown up with, social media culture, meme culture. This is, this is what we've grown up with. It's all we've ever known, really. Different language, different style yeah. of language. And you got to communicate those ideas there. But you yeah. can't ever give up the argument and you can't ever accept their diction. You can't ever accept their words because if you do that, you seed the ground. You, you have to fight the battle. You have to choose the, where the battle is fought. And that means you have to define your terms. And the left doesn't want to define terms. And you can't let that happen. You got to plant your flag and you got to stand, stand around it. Yeah, I actually like the point made about Ted Cruz because I, I love Ted Cruz. I think he's just amazing. I think he's one of the few fighters left we have. We, I'm not even American. I'm going to pretend like I'm American throughout this episode because I low-key identify as an American. I'm just so obsessed with American, American politics. So it's 2020. I'm identifying as an American in this episode. We need you but, here. <laughs> we'll take you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. But um, he said he was doing the, you know, the Verdict podcast. Mm-hmm. And love I absolutely love that. I'm a, I, I listen to it all the time. I literally just caught up on the last episode yesterday. Um, and I think the purpose of the po- podcast is so great because it started during the impeachment. I don't think anyone knew what the hell impeachment even was or what all these legal terms they were using. Like, I'm a law student, but I'm not a law student in America. I don't understand half the legal jargon. So that's, that was the purpose of, uh, of Verdict, is to sort of simplify everything, break it down for ordinary citizens. Now, Ted Cruz said something... He said that his wife's main criticism of the show or of Ted Cruz is that sometimes it's preaching to the choir. He like, so she told him, Ted, you keep going on and on about uh, communism and socialism, but do you really think a lot of your viewers or the more of the on the fence viewers know what those uh, ideologies entail and what they mean? And he sat down, he was like, you know what? That's probably true. I need to change my sort of language on this episode because I have to, again, fall, um, go back to the objective of, I guess, having a channel that is understandable for all viewers so we can actually make a change. And I realized this of, um, excessive use of euphemisms, I noticed it as well on the first day of my university um, journey. The first day I had socialist... Uh, <laughs> Or let's say social students, socialist ambassadors, whatever you want to call them, come into every lecture of mine on the first day of university and speak about socialism. And back then, I didn't know much about socialism, to be honest, because I don't like, I'm more of, again, the, like, I'm more of into religious politics, things like that. I, I wasn't into economics. I didn't understand it. And I'm sitting there and I'm actually enjoying what they're saying because they're talking about equality. They're throwing a bunch of euphemisms that I don't even understand. Um, equal distribution of wealth. Well, that sounds nice. But something inside of me just said, this doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound okay. I need to go home and do some research. But a lot of my friends fell for it. And they went and signed up to join the group. Now, I feel like I had that little, that little I think it was just, I don't know why I had that sort of little me tell me, Verena, I don't think this sounds okay. And I think maybe it falls on the whole critical thinking thing that a lot of young millennials lack critical thinking. We're struggling in the workplace because of the decline of critical thinking skills. We don't know how to articulate ourselves properly. How many ums and likes and um and ahs do you hear in a sentence I'm speaking to a millennial? They actually don't know how, to, we don't know how to articulate ourselves. And I'll, I'll say this, I'm probably one of those people. 
um, I have to do more reading to expand my vocab, expand my knowledge. But we're struggling to articulate ourselves properly. We're stuck struggling to differentiate between right or wrong, fake news and um, real news. And what I'm seeing right now is because we're struggling to express our views and express our frustration, we're converting our frustration into violence. So, and that's what we're seeing right now with Black, Black, Black Lives Matter rioters, not protesters. There's a difference between protesting and rioting. What we're seeing right now, a lot of them are really upset about what happened to George Floyd. And they're really upset about a, a lot of other people who have been victims of police brutality. And I'm sure we can discuss the, the actual justifications behind their actions later. But what I've realized is a lot of them are actually really passionate people. And if they, if they, they have potential to be amazing people and actually implement real change. But because they're struggling to express their views, articulate them into words and convey their opinions effectively, they're resorting to violence because that's the easiest, best things to be heard, to be seen and to feel like you're actually making some sort of change. And I think this all this problem here stems from the poor college um, system and the lack of um, exposure to intellectual diversity, to actual proper readings, um, to our extreme use of social media and our fake news journalists telling and celebrities telling us it's okay to feel a particular way and it's okay to go riot and destroy businesses because you're not heard and you have to fight systematic racism. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. We, we don't know where we come from anymore. Like the, the people you mentioned, there's that, there was that moment you had in, in school where you just, something didn't feel right. And the thing is, Everything sounds good. Black Lives Matter, the sentence, I agree with. Yeah, I, same. Sounds good. Mm. So, like equal, equal distribution, social justice, that sounds good. And that's the whole point is they're playing on these emotional arguments. And they're also hoping the fact that no one's going to critically think. And the one spot I disagree with you on is I don't think it starts in college. I think it starts way earlier than that. I think it's public education mm. at large. And I think it's, it's, again, a cultural thing of that we don't know where we come from anymore. We don't really learn about the founding fathers and what they thought. We don't learn about the fact that slavery was a big idea and the fact that Thomas Jefferson was, was so adamant about it that as soon as the Constitution was ratified, he basically tried to get a slavery amendment passed to end it. And he didn't get it. He tried to free his slaves before he died, but because he held debt, he couldn't do it. The, the founders recognized that partly they couldn't, end slavery because the union would break up and then slavery would still exist in the South today. They recognized that they had to make a momentary sacrifice in order to get this greater evil ended, which we fought a bloody civil war over. But we don't know any of this history. We don't know the ideas behind it. And I think the, that emotional play, it's a sad one, but it's where a lot of people make their decisions. Most people don't sit down and think through and research and do that. They, they go for the emotional ploy. And I think that's what I'm trying to do is let's I'm not, I, 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 love, I love statistics, I love reading and everything like that, but I have to couch it and I have to, I have to present it in a way that hits someone. Attractive. It hits yeah. someone where they can feel it, where they can see it, where they can, where they can picture it in their mind. I had a video come out the other day about um, bringing, making men masculine again. Like it's not toxic masculinity, that. a toxic yeah. lack of masculinity. And I yeah. painted this picture of, a, of me as a kid getting in trouble at school. And my mom would probably try to like, you know, be real nice to me and say, it's okay. And my dad came in and goes, what did you do? 
No, you were disrespectful. You're going to go fix it. And you need those both sides. And I, you have to paint that picture. And that, that picture is really important. And that's what we need to do. And part of that, I think, is, is understanding where we came from and understanding where we're going. And this, this false narrative that we're being pushed, it's only changed by getting a true narrative out there. But we have to do it on a broader scale. We have to do it on a bigger scale. And we have to do it in a way that really portrays the values that we want to portray, not as these arbitrary things, but as real things that can be lived, real things that are in each person. And that's one thing I'm trying to do. And I know that's one thing you're trying to do, but we can't, we can't get caught up in these euphemisms because if we start arguing over euphemisms, they're pretty much always going to win because most of the time our arguments are kind of hard. They're that tough love. But that tough love is what makes you a better person. And so we kind of have to paint that ending picture of, yeah, you're going to go through some hardships. You're going to go through some struggle, but you're going to end up better. You're not going to be stuck in this mediocrity that the left wants, not even mediocrity, less than mediocrity that the left wants to keep you in. You're going to go through some hard times. You're going to go through some struggles and some things might scare you, but you're going to come out a better person in the end. And we got to paint that picture. We got to show how these values can be lived out in each person and that's that's something i know you're you're trying to do as well and that's something that is really necessary but it's it's not just colleges it's it's really exacerbated on colleges but it starts younger and it starts it's getting worse and worse as we keep going yeah i think maybe because for me i experienced it most at university only because i did spend a number of years studying in another country and then when i came to when i started studying here in australia I didn't really experience it much at my school. I went to a Catholic school. Maybe that was why I didn't really experience it. Also, I never wanted, I never thought I'd actually study politics or law or any of the social sciences. I was more into the science and math field. So I didn't do history. I didn't do, um, I didn't study like legal electives until I actually changed my mind very last minute in my senior year. But I think that's why I didn't actually experience it as much. And when I, I'm currently studying a double degree of law and arts, which arts is like the equivalent of, I don't know, like a social science degree where you can major in different um, social sciences, like I'm majoring in human rights and international relations. So I think that's when I, I, I was just shocked. I, I just didn't experience any of this throughout my life. And it was the biggest shock ever. Um, and luckily I had a lot of friends who were, ha- you know, conservatives like me who felt the exact same way. So we just always joke about it. You know, that's how we get through it. We just joke about it and we do our best just to be who we are. Um, I also think that I think going back into your podcast and the purpose of what you do and what I'm trying to do is to make freedom cool again and make discussions cool again, because I actually do believe that we are experiencing this overwhelming sense of assumptions. We, we, we think, we keep assuming, so the left thinks that conservatives are anti-immigration. We hate the climate. Uh, we don't like human rights, even though human rights were actually founded on a religious individual who used religion to establish the foundation of human rights. Um, they think we just hate black people even though black um, African-Americans, 80% of African-Americans don't want to defund the police. They actually want more police. So we're actually on their side. We never said they don't matter. Um, And a lot of African-Americans are proudly against the Black Lives Matter organization. And it's actually, they've expressed how it's destroying African-American communities. 
So there's the whole sense of like assumption, right? There's just too many assumptions. There are too many walls right now that are dividing us. And that's why there's a disparity um, between in our ideological differences. There's a massive gap right now. And I generally do believe that assumptions are the biggest hurdle to this. And assumptions are the catalyst for more division and the catalyst for, um, for the differences that we have now. And the, the only solution to breaking down these assumptions, breaking down these barriers is through speech, civil discourse. For crying out loud, people were at, um, patriots were protesting. Look, they were just peacefully protesting in front of Walter Reed Hospital where Trump was staying, right? I hope you get well soon, Mr. President. I'm praying for you, Mr. President. Even people that don't even like Donald Trump went and expressed their well wishes because we're all human beings at the end of the day. But then a bunch of young, I don't know, people, millennials, they started barking, literally barking at these protesters. And I, I just stood there and I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, they're probably barking because they think we're homophobes, transphobes, racist individuals. Again, assumptions. Assumptions are the biggest barrier to union. And it's also exacerbated by the whole fake news. I can't stand watching CNN anymore. I can't stand watching The View anymore. They, they had these, did you see how they treated Kimberly? Oh, I forget her last name, but she's running for Congress. Um, oh, classic. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She's a queen. Her, she's African-American proud, doing things to improve the lives of African-Americans and other minorities in her district. And she was treated like absolute garbage. And they refused to discuss with her. They actually didn't get like give her a chance to speak. They cut off the interview when they felt like it because their emotions, their emotions were hurting. They were they were stressing out because she had an upper hand. She was actually presenting logical arguments, um, strong arguments that were, I guess, deflating their narratives. And they got so scared that they had to shut her down again because we assume things about each other and we are destroying the one opportunity we have into actually connecting as individuals where humanity will matter more than our political affiliations yeah yeah that that narrative of assumptions is is a big one and that be, that comes from the fact that when your speech isn't allowed there's a reason free speech and the freedom of expression is the first amendment it's it's important because even ideas that i hate and i find despicable like racist ideas, homophobic ideas, um, ideas like even Marxist ideas. I want those ideas out there because that means I can argue against them. Because if they're not out there, I don't know that and I can't argue against them. And that's part of what they're doing is they're, they're trying to quash conservative values and get them, get them shut down so that they can't, like we can't argue against their ideas. But th that freedom of discussion is necessary, a rigorous discussion in the culture, in, in the society is necessary. And as we kind of create and segregate into our own little bubbles of ideology, the worse it's going to get because you just start assuming things about the other side and you, you, start, to, you start to just isolate yourself from different ideas. And when new ideas come in, it's even more shocking. It's even more upsetting because you've never heard it before. And all of a sudden you're being faced with these things that when you start to realize like, oh, maybe, maybe I am wrong or maybe there's something here that I'm missing. And again, that goes back to people don't want to do that. People don't want to examine themselves. People don't want to see that because it's, it's a hard thing to get through. It's a hard thing to understand. And I think the biggest thing we can do is just not be quiet. Again, that's why I, I, I basically, if you go to my Twitter, my pinned tweet is like, I've seen leftism infect every institution of America. I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I don't know exactly what it says, but basically I end up saying, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to stand by. 
this is, this is my time to speak out. This is what I'm going to do because we lose. If like, I've talked to my dad about this the other day and he said, Oh, don't get angry. Don't get mad. If you get mad, they win. And you know, just, it'll be okay. Just let it happen. And I was like, no, because if I just let it happen, then they're going to win. I lose when I don't speak out. There's a, there's a saying that says evil prevails when good men fail to fail to stand up. Same thing here. Leftism prevails when conservatives and people with good values fail to speak up. Mm-hmm. And that, that can't happen. We lose if we stop speaking. And we have to speak out ferociously. We have to yeah. speak out. We have to get our, like with, with a kind heart, with charity toward all and malice toward none, obviously. But we can't stop. We can't be quiet. We can't just go along to get along. And I think that's happening now. And I'm really excited about it. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be a hard fight to get there. But yeah. I think there's going to be um, there's going to be some strife there as people start to examine that and the, the two start to come head to head. But yeah. all I want to do is do my part to to make that a better argument and to to get those ideas to more people to get those ideas of okay maybe I should allow ideas I disagree with to be out there maybe I should critically think through some ideas because the best thing I can do is just get one person to start thinking about it and that person's going to think about it and they're going to tell their friend and they're going to start thinking about it and then it snowballs and I can do that on a big stage or a small stage and I don't really care as long as I'm doing it as long as it's happening but again I'm just going to reiterate one more time we lose if we fail to speak out the left wins if we stay quiet so I know it's easy. It's easy to go along to get along. It's easy to sit back and be like, oh, that movie sucked. It was just another leftist movie. No, don't do that. Speak out. Let your ideas be. If you're a closet conservative, get out of the closet right now. Like, come out. Tell your friends. I don't care if you lose friends. If, if, they, if they stop hanging out with you because of your political beliefs, they weren't your friends to begin with. Find better friends. Because that's important. Because then that person might realize like, oh, I was friends with this person the whole time. Maybe the right isn't all evil. Maybe the right isn't people that hate me. Maybe they're just as fine as I am. They just disagree on tax policy or whatever. But, you know, we can, we can get there. And don't, don't be in the closet anymore. Don't, don't, don't quiet yourself. Don't, don't not raise your hand in class. Speak up. It's going to be hard. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You're going to get, um, you're probably going to get bad grades. You're probably going to lose a couple friends, acquaintances, I'll say. You're probably going to get people that say mean things to you. But in the end, you can't, you can't worry about that. There's, something, there's more than, than life than you know, the few people that you thought were really cool in college. You know, there's more to life than that. Standing up for something you believe in and standing up for what's right, that's what really matters in life. That's what's really important in life. So don't, don't seed the argument there. Don't lose the battle before it's even begun. I, I totally agree. I think that with our voices, we can definitely combat the loud minority. Um, and, you know, you spoke, you spoke about coming out as conservatives. I find it really funny. Um, Dave Rubin, is, he's a gay man, and he has sort of transitioned from left into right. And he said that he lost more friends coming out as conservative than he did coming out as gay. And he was so surprised because he just assumed it would be the opposite. Um, because he came out at a very, I think, a sort of sensitive time for a lot of um, homosexual people. But he, he was like, I just can't believe I lost all my friends just because of my political differences. And it upsets me so much that we have to let political differences like ruin our friendships. And I, I, one of my biggest pet peeves um, is that I hate when people say, oh, I don't agree with her opinion, 
but I believe that she's great in doing X, Y, Z. I don't believe, I don't agree with her political status, but I think she's a great person. Why can't we just say we're great people? Yeah. Why is it that political identities trump a human identity? Why is it the case now? Since when did we have to make those disclaimers before we spoke? That's because we're so scared of, of acknowledging someone that's different to us and, and engaging with them. Again, it's, we're, just, we're so scared. There's actually a sense of like segregation now. Um, there's going to be a new, weird wave of segregation where we just can't interact anymore with someone that's different to us because we're scared into being criticized by somebody else. Um, into possibly changing our minds because somehow that's something to fear. Changing your mind is a very scary thing now. And it's just, it's so upsetting. We just can't be human beings anymore and enjoy the freedoms of the West. Yeah. I think what you mentioned there is changing your mind. That's a good thing. And, and recognizing you're wrong. That takes a very mature person. That takes someone very, you know, very smart. And it takes someone willing to do that. But the biggest, the biggest thing is like Dave Rubin talked about this when he came out as conservative. The biggest thing with people on the right and people that are conservative, we don't care. We don't care what your sexual orientation is. We don't care what color your skin is. We don't even care what your religion is. As long as your religion doesn't want to kill us because we're not your religion, like with radical Islam and things like that. We don't, there's a lot of crap we don't care about. Now, personally, like, are there things that I might disagree with that lifestyle or would I personally not do it? Maybe, but I think you have a right to do it. Um, are my religious beliefs about certain things one thing? Yes, but am I going to stop you? No. And I think that's so valuable is that I don't care. There, I forget who said it, but someone said, no one cares enough about you to stop you. Meaning like yes. the leftist message is like, you're so put down, the rich hate you, blah, 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 blah. No one cares. Go out, do it yourself. If you think someone's holding you back, I don't care if someone is actually holding you back. The left is lying to you. If, if somebody is actually holding you back, the best thing you can do there is say, I don't give a crap. I'm going to do what I can. And I'm going to prove to you that despite whatever you're doing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best I can. And I think that's important is people have to, you know, I'll, I'll get a lot of questions about this, like on my own religious views about certain things. I'm like, yeah, these are my religious views. But then someone will be like, well, does that mean you hate, I don't know, gay people or something? And I'm like, no, I mean, that's just their lifestyle. I, do I probably disagree with it? Maybe, but whatever, you know, I'm not going to, you know, govern on a high that they can't live that lifestyle. Um, yeah. But my own, yeah. that's my belief. And I believe you have a right to believe different than me. And we can hash it out and we can do all those things. But in the end, I don't care. I'm going to focus on what yeah. I can focus on, my, my heart, my life, the people around me, my faith and things like yeah. that. And that's, that's all I can do. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I think that's because the right is definitely founded on freedom and free will in the Christian sense. You have the right to do the right thing. You have the right to do the wrong thing. We're not going to control you. You're not some sort of puppet. You're a full human being with your full autonomous being that has the right to do whatever they want and do whatever they need to do. And then you can live out the ramifications of your actions. So you can learn from it and not redo the same mistakes. It's a beautiful journey where you learn and you experience triumph and you experience tribulations and you become a better person because trust me, great people, successful, successful people aren't people that were born successful. Most of them aren't and aren't people that didn't work hard. They work from scratch and we come out now and we, we criticize every CEO there is because there's some capitalist evil Satan. 
I just, I just don't understand anymore. It's so frustrating. And it's, again, we, we as right people, we are right. Just flexing that right, right there. We're right for a reason. But people on the right, they tend, tend, um, tend to, I guess, I guess, promote freedom. So you can learn, you can make the same mistakes and you can grow as a person and you can succeed in whatever way possible. And that's so beautiful. So just to finish things off, we've touched upon a lot of things. So a lot of questions were we've actually answered throughout the episode without realizing, which is great. We had somebody ask why we program to believe the left. And we spoke about the lack of critical thinking, the lack of intellectual diversity, lack of speech. Um, Somebody else spoke about um, how can we help people adopt right-wing ideologies. And again, the solution is what I exactly just said. I don't want anyone to adopt any ideology. I want, I want everyone to be an independent thinker and have the free will to choose whatever ideology they see befits them they see promotes their own personal values and most of it will be independent or right because unfortunately the left used to be such a cool ideology years ago and it's just become extremely radicalized that people on the left are now coming to the right so there's actually a reform within the political spectrum and i find it really fascinating um so just to touch like end it off how do you think we can make freedom cool again so i thought a lot about this recently and the best thing you can do as a young conservative as you know, somebody who these are your values, live them, live them and breathe them and speak about them. If you are, you know, conservative, let people know and then go out and live. The more, the happier you are, the better you live your life and don't count out like don't don't count out of the leftist platitude. Be strong when people come up against you. Speak your mind, but live as a good person. Be respectful to others. Be you know be happy in your life. You know to take responsibility for your actions. You know, if you have a job, like take on more responsibility, live out your values. And, and people will see the fact that you're happier, you're more fulfilled, you're, you're, you're living a life that, that brings greater joy than this destructive, soul-eating, soul-decaying leftism and critical theory. Live out your values, live them out with the people around you and people will see that, people will gravitate to that. Be happy, be joyful because especially in America, we live in the greatest country in the world. We have the most freedom. We have the most, you know, ability to, to chart our own course. We have this spirit of adventure. Americans went to the moon. We conquer, we manifest destiny. That's the spirit of America. Live that out. That's how you make it cool from live it out. And then imbibe that in your kids, imbibe that in their, in your grandkids, live it out. The best thing you can do is live as a young conservative, live out your values and be happy and joyful in those values. And people will see that and people will gravitate to that. That's how we can make freedom cool again. I, I second that wholeheartedly, you know, as a Christian, I, it's a sort of the same thing, you know, sometimes it's very hard to live out your values, but there's a really nice quote. It says, you may be the only Bible someone reads. Mm-hmm. So your actions um, could be the only, cl- the closest thing to someone get, will get to understanding Christian values. Um, and that's why you should be an advocate and an ambassador for what you do through your actions. Uh, yeah. Through your actions and upholding that through your lifestyle. The same thing with your political ideology. Um, it's not, it's, I don't think it's okay for you to promote one thing and leave out another. That's just hypocrisy and hypocrisy diminishes credibility. And that's what we're seeing right now on the left with celebrities coming out as some social justice warriors, but they're, they're far worse than we thought they were. And they actually have in, um, infringed every sort of 
value that they've promoted all over the social media platforms. So they're losing followers and losing respect. Um, and we saw that in a Cardi B and Candace Owens debate, which is absolutely fire. And Candace did an absolute fantastic job. But yeah, that's really what it is. You have to be true to who you are. Utilize social media platforms to voice your, yourself, voice your opinions. Um, make, make, make freedom cool through social media. You know, be an artist and uh, be conservative. Sing and you can be conservative. It's, it's okay to have those things. I feel like people think you shouldn't be in the artistic um, industry if you are a conservative. And I think that's completely rubbish. Um, live it out. There's a reason why AOC is so popular because she's young, cool, and hippie, and she's definitely attracting all the millennials. She got sponsored by Vogue. Of course, she's going to get more fame and she's going to make leftism cool. We have to do the exact same thing. We, we live in an era of globalization. Use those platforms, voice yourself, be unique, and I promise you, people are going to love who you are. And even if you're different to them, they're still going to listen to your content if you're respectful, if you're giving an open platform for people to disagree with you respectfully and if you embody who you are and you're not a hypocrite. And I think that's, from my opinion, that's how you can make freedom cool again. So um, do you have any final things to say to the world? If the whole world was to listen to this podcast, hypothetically speaking, what would you say to them? Nobody's holding you back. Nobody is trying to stop you. Or anything like that. If you believe you're a victim, that's what you're going to become. But if you believe that you can go out and chase it, especially if you live in America, if you believe that you live in the land with the greatest opportunity, and even no matter what your situation is, every opportunity that comes to you, if you take it, if you don't shirk responsibility, if you stand up, if you live out the virtues, you're going to be happier. You're going to be more fulfilled. Don't shirk responsibility. Don't buy into this leftist narrative that you're being put down or anything like that. Recognize that everything that happens in your life that's under your control is all you can is all you you've got your your heart your mind and don't let anyone defeat that. Go out, live out your values, and whatever someone says against you, it doesn't matter. Live it out, be joyful in it. Whatever trials and tribulations come your way, don't matter because there's something more that's beyond this. The things of this world they all pass away, but something greater comes after that. Look for that. Find it. It's real and it's out there. The left is lying to you when they say that there's nothing, there's no purpose. There is. Go out, search it, and find it. And only you can find that for yourself. No one else can give it to you. That's something you got to do, and it's going to be a hard process. But that hard process is well worth it in the end. A knife is only sharpened through friction. That's the same thing that happens. So go out, live out your values, be joyful in it, and that's all you can do. I think that was perfectly said. It's a perfect way to end our episode. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, thank you for helping me set up a, a substitute um, to this because we did have extreme technical difficulties the first time around. Um, and thank you for making Freedom Cool again. Um, and I think we can just end it off from here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I love this. No worries.